ReachMD XM157 now presents this month's special series, Exploring Heart Health. What can we as physicians do to help our patients avert having a heart attack? What's new in the field of heart attack detection, and what do we need to know? Welcome to a special segment on heart health. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, your host, and joining me today is Dr. Pedro Moreno. He is the Director of Interventional Cardiology Research at Mount Sinai Medical Center in New York City. He's also the Director of the Cardiac Cath Lab, and he's a world-renowned expert in high-risk atherosclerosis. He has been a pioneer in the understanding of inflammation and plaque vulnerability. Dr. Moreno, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Let's start with plaque vulnerability. It's a relatively new concept for most physicians. You've probably been looking at it for 10 years. That's exactly correct. We understand that the composition of the atherosclerotic plaque is a more relevant factor than the degree of the obstruction in the atherosclerotic vessels. So let's talk a little bit about the composition. What makes a good plaque? What makes a bad plaque? What makes a plaque vulnerable? Well, a good plaque is the one that is composed mostly by collagen. Collagen is stable structure. Actually, our tendons, which can handle a lot of pressure in our body, are composed by collagen. These plaques may actually give SOS alerts to physicians like chest pain or positive stress test, and we will have time to diagnose and treat this disease appropriately. On the other hand, lipid, specifically what we know as the necrotic core, it's the major problem with heart attacks, which induce plaque rupture and thrombosis. And therefore, these patients will not have the classical alert, and will present with what we know as acute coronary syndromes, also known as heart attack, unstable angina, and sudden cardiac death. Dr. Moreno, you mentioned lipids, and you and I both know that the lipid is not the enemy. It's really the innocent bystander that kind of gets into the action, but it's really the inflammation that is the enemy. Absolutely correct. The inflammation is a defense mechanism that we all have to defend against the problems in our body to metabolize the noxious effects of some residuals that we cannot excrete. In those, lipid is the classical example. So when inflammation, which is actually a friend, fails to excrete, through the high HDL cholesterol pathway, what we call reverse transport of cholesterol, the excess of lipid, then inflammation becomes an enemy. And the macrophage, which is the most important cell in the atherosclerotic plaque, triggers what is called the suicide or automatic cell death, in which the macrophage undergoes apoptosis and in this process releases the inflammatory pathways, the metalloproteinases, and also the tissue factor that leads to plaque rupture and thrombosis. It would be nice to keep the macrophage away from the plaque. And I know there was a company, Atherogenics, that was working on a adhesion molecule blocker and it didn't work out so well for them. That's correct. So were they on the right path? Well, the pathway 
of macrophage infiltration mediated by adhesion molecules is only a partial part of the story. The most important pathway by which macrophage enters the atherosclerotic plaque is the neovessels. So they're really they're getting in from the back door. Absolutely. And nobody knows about that. Yeah, the vasovasorum, which is the adventitial, or as you mentioned, the back door of the atherosclerotic plaque, leads to the formation of new vessels when lipids are in the atherosclerotic plaque, creating these small channels called microvessels or neovascularization, also known as angiogenesis, that actually induce the massive infiltration of macrophages, T-cell, and mast cells within the atherosclerotic plaque. It is well quantified by research done initially by Dr. O'Brien, actually published in 1994, how about two-thirds of the macrophage came through this route and only one-third through the adhesion molecules in the endothelium. Yeah, I've also read that the lipid content in the plaque is actually coming from the degradation of red blood cells from, again, the back door. Yeah, that's exactly correct. These little neovessels, also called microvessels, are not that stable. And therefore, they are fragile and susceptible for leakage. So when the extravasation of red blood cells, also called interplaque hemorrhage, is present in the atherosclerotic plaque, the erythrocyte degrades. And the erythrocyte is composed by the membrane that actually has 1.4 times more lipid than any other cell membrane in the body, and the hemoglobin that is completely innocuous when it's intracellular, but the extracellular hemoglobin, also called extracorpuscular hemoglobin, induce a Fenton reaction that increases the production of reactive oxygen species in a massive way, leading to macrophage activation and plaque rupture and thrombosis. If you've just joined us, you're listening to what I believe is a fascinating discussion on ReachMDXM157, special segment on heart health. My guest is Dr. Pedro Moreno, world-renowned expert in atherosclerosis and a pioneer in understanding inflammation and plaque vulnerability. Dr. Moreno, it seems that everybody is focusing on the endothelium and nobody's paying attention to the vasovasorum. Well, this is a major shift in the understanding of the pathophysiology of this disease. And it has only within the last five years, most importantly within the last two years, that we have come to realize that the vasovasorum, which is the major nurture of the atherosclerotic plaque, is also the main production of microvessels and angiogenesis, leading to extravasation of red blood cells, extracorpuscular hemoglobin, intraplaque hemorrhage, and plaque rupture. You stated that the lipid content of red blood cells is extremely high, and if that's where the lipid's coming from, what good does it do to lower lipids in the bloodstream if that's not really where the problem's coming from? That is an excellent question. When you reduce lipid within the vascular compartment, you will have less deposition of lipid within the atherosclerotic plaque. So you still get some diffusion. 
or you'll get less diffusion. You'll get less diffusion, and then you have less microvessel formation. Why is that? Because the lipid is the main component in the early atherosclerotic lesion, which is also called a fatty streak. So it is the increase in the intima. Actually, when the intima grows over 500 microns, it develops hypoxia, and hypoxia drives neovascularization. So if you don't have lipid in the blood, the neointima, it is very thin, and you still can nurture this layer of the vessel wall called also the intima through diffusion and no neovessels are needed. However, when the lipid gets in, the neointima gets thicker, hypoxia is developed, and then neovessels come. All right, so if I understand you correctly, if someone has an IMT score greater than 0.5 millimeters, they're on the road to developing plaque. That's an excellent assumption that has been proven both in experimental animals and in humans. So that would be your cutoff, 5 millimeters. Actually, 500 microns, so 0.5 millimeters. Right, 0.5 millimeters. So if someone has an IMT score of 0 0.6, 0 0.7, 0 0.8, 0 0.9, they already have disease. The IMT is a little bit controversial, but I can tell you with intravascular ultrasound in the coronary arteries, the cut point is exactly that 0.5 millimeters. Let's go back to, let's say, an 18-year-old who is just starting to develop the disease because we, you know, we both know it starts when you're young. Absolutely. Even younger than that. Absolutely. You know, I cannot get anyone to tell me the exact inciting event that is causing either the damage to the endothelium in the first place or something that is causing neovascularization in the vasovasorum. What is it, if there is one thing, that is causing the initial insult? We still believe, by numerous and robust data from epidemiological studies, that the major risk factors for atherosclerosis are crucial in the developing of this disease. Therefore, if you have no risk factors, zero, the chances that you will develop atherosclerosis are less than 6% in your lifetime. On the other hand, if you start to develop one, two, three, or the four risk factors for athero, and we can remember those hypertension, hypercholesterolemia, cigarette smoking, and diabetes mellitus, you will increase the risk of this disease. So what we see in our young population that is very alarming, actually recent data published in, in the last two months have shown that our population in America, in the middle age, between 45 and 60 years old, are not obtaining any benefit from the survival seen in the last 30 years. If we can summarize this problem is that any of these major risk factors are leading the disease in this country. So we have more cigarette smoking in adolescents, you know, excluding the city of New York that recently showed that young population are quitting smoking. But in the whole country, we have increased diabetes, 61% increase in obesity, and hypertension is a prevalent disease in this country. Let's travel south a little bit. I know you're from Colombia. Is coronary artery disease follow a similar path there, or are there different risk factors there? Very important question. 
what we call the developing countries are having exactly the same incidence of the risk factors in our population these days. However, they are 15 to 20 years behind in the manifestation of the disease. So within the next two decades, all developing countries in the world, including the countries in Asia, Africa, and South America, will have the massive increase in clinical events that we see in westernized diet countries, including Europe and the United States of America. Dr. Pedro Moreno, thank you very much for coming on the show today. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, and you've been listening to a special segment on heart health on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Thank you for listening to this month's special series, Exploring Heart Health, on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals.